Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Make sure that the things that we see that characterize the world in the last time, make sure that's not characterizing you. If it does, you can repent today. You can ask the Lord to forgive you, to cleanse you, to help you. But at the same time, that, that's one angle on it. The other angle is this. As we realize that that's how things are going right now, we want to be aware of the fact that the Lord's coming is soon, that God's coming, the Lord's coming back. Everything that he said would be happening is happening. And so we want to be living with a sense of, of, of God. I know you can come back at any moment. As Christians, it's easy to have doubts on whether or not God is really there for us. In times of unanswered prayer or feeling overlooked, we blame him and wonder if he's really going to come through for us. In today's message, Pastor Bill wants you to know that God has never left your side and will always be there for you. Don't be impatient and think that your timing is better than his. Instead, know that God will always have the best plan for your life. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. So they go into households and uh, make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. The, the thing that it says is that they were always learning, but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Um, that one hit me. I said, what does that mean to be always learning? We always learning, but you can't come to a you can't come to a place where you know the truth. The word knowledge there, it means an experiential knowledge. These are people that are always taking in data, but they're never able to know the truth and experience. Um, never able to come to a knowledge of the truth, never come, able to come to a place where it's the truth that I know is the truth that I'm living out, that is impacting me in a, in a living way. Just taking in knowledge, ever learning, but I don't really know the truth in an experiential way. That's an important part of our relationship with the Lord, you guys, that we are to we want to know the truth, but then we're to experience the truth that we know. Um, that means the only way to experience the truth that we know is that we got to walk in it. As God speaks to you through his word, he convicts you to change. He leads you to do something. It's as you begin to do what God's word says that you begin to have an experiential knowledge of the word of God. That's where your faith grows. That's where you that's where you go from a place of well, the Bible says to a place of saying, man, when you walk this out, it works. And I, I challenge anybody here. Take any area of your life where you're struggling right now. You're struggling and you take an area you're struggling in, say, your marriage. Study the word on marriage and just do what it says. And you'll experience the truth of God in that in that area of your life. If you struggle in some other area, you struggle with your anger, then take God's word in concerning that and obey it. And you'll experience the truth of God in that area of your life. Take any area where you find, you know, what I'm struggling in this area. And if there's an area where you're struggling, you say, I don't know the word in that area. Then please don't leave. Get one of us pastors and let us give you some verses. Let us give you scripture on that area that you can take that in. You go home and read those verses and take in God's word. But you take God's word in on any area and live it out. I'm going to just do what the word says to do in this area. You have some victory. You'll know the word in a way that it goes beyond just I know this to where I, I know it. I know it for a fact. I know it works. And in my life, what I found is that when I have victory in one area and I know God's word works there, the next time I'm battling with something else, I'm going to go to the word again for this area so I can get a real victory here. So I can begin to experience transformation and change that I don't just know a bunch of stuff. Um, it would be useless to know how to get saved, but not be saved. But you know, there are people that they know that they know the gospel. They know what the Bible teaches. They know they know what you're supposed to do, but they don't know. They don't know. They don't know it by experience. 
They don't know what it is to be saved. They don't know what it is to have a, a relationship with the living God. They just know what you're supposed to do. What a, what a, what a ripoff to just kind of know. Well, I know what it's supposed to be. In theory, I know um, what you're supposed to do, but I haven't experienced it in a living way. God wants us to not be those that are ever learning, but not able to come to a knowledge. God wants us to come to a place where we know the truth. Because the Bible says you will know the truth and what? The truth will set you free and make you free when you know it. And so moving on down, it says in verse um, eight, it says, now, as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith, but they will progress no further for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. This digs back into a story uh, from Exodus seven. Uh, where Moses was being told to go to the Pharaoh and tell him to let God's people go. And when he went and the Pharaoh said, well, who is God that I should let him go? God said, throw down your rod and it's going to become a snake. And you guys remember the magicians came and they did the same thing. Well, this is kind of how the Bible gives commentary in the Bible. Exodus didn't give us their names. But right here with the Holy Spirit through Timothy gives us their names, Janus and Jamres. We get these two guys names where they threw down their rods and they made snakes. And they were able to, to, to copy several of the plagues, several of the things that Moses did. They were able to copy them. One way that the enemy um, works, this is what Satan does, is he's a master counterfeiter. Satan can copy. He can't create, but he can copy. He can counterfeit what God's doing. Notice this, that everything that they did only made it worse. And that's what Satan can do. He can, Satan is powerful. Satan is supernatural and Satan can do things. But whatever Satan can do can only make it worse. So I don't deny that there's power, that, say, that there is a devil and that he has power and his supernatural power. But I acknowledge that his power is only bad, right? His power will never be used for good. It'll never be used to make things better. So I always warn people as Christians, don't do tarot. Don't do, you know, some stupid stuff that you see on movies, Ouija boards and stuff that people be doing. I'm calling this hotline because they don't tell me if my man cheating on me or not. I'll be looking at that stuff like you just don't be opening doors like that. You what you want to do is pray. Get right with God. Say, God, give me discernment and show me if this is what I'm supposed to be in or not. But you don't go to the devil. Say, show me, because, you know, one of the things that the, in the same way that God is true, what is the devil? He's a liar. John 8, 44. He says he's the daddy of all lies. So he'll lie to you. He'll tell you some truth. Do you some lies. Have your life ruined real bad. I don't know anybody open up their life to the devil. That's better. And even if it looks better now, when they die, it's not going to be better because Satan going to hell. Hell was created for the devil. So anybody that get behind and follow him got to go where he's going. Hell. And so I'll go through whatever I got to go through on this earth because heaven is my home and I'm looking forward to heaven. Amen. And, um, you know, so anyway, so it says that just like these guys use deception and they use um, they use counterfeiting. Um, It says that's what it'll be like. There'll be people that resist the truth, people of corrupt minds, disapprove concerning the faith. But it says, um, but they will progress no further for their folly will be manifest to all as Jan- speaking of Janice, as their folly was also made manifest to everybody. Now, Paul gives several characteristics of his life on why he's an example to be followed. And so look at verse 10, it says, but you have carefully followed. Number one, my doctrine, that's my teachings. Number two, my manner of life. Number three, my purpose. Number four is faith, his long suffering, his love, his perseverance. And it says persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium and at Lystra, 
what persecutions I endured and out of them all the Lord delivered me. And so Paul says, look, I've been an example, Timothy, to you. And he lists all these ways he's been an example. And as we've looked at all these characteristics of the world and what it's going to be like and how bad it's going to be, I encourage you to pay attention to these positive characteristics because this is what we want to be as Christians, as those that are following the Lord, those that have people that are following our lead and our example. Paul says, first of all, it was my doctrine. I've taught the right stuff. The things I've been teaching are accurate. They're correct. They're right. My manner of life that I'm living the right way. Um, that's the best form of being an example for you guys that are blessed to have kids, your manner of life. Hopefully your kids will just see your example. I'm, I'm always just taken back when my kids talk freely about what they pick up on from me and my wife. And I realize that they watch everything. They catch it all. And they, sometimes you got to, you know, they tighten you up. You hear like, wow, they're getting that. They're picking that up, too. They don't just pick up the good. They pick up everything, you know, habits. Um, you know, I, I got some things that, you know, uh, I'll be honest. So this is a negative one. I don't always want to tell the, the good things. Um, I got this thing. I, I don't like junk in my car. right? I don't like trash around. So if the kids eat in the car. I want to throw it away right away. I've been guilty at times of letting the window go down. And this is a, this is a, it's a bad, this is bad. Don't judge me, y'all. Just, God's working on me. But I've done this where I just I don't throw it out the window. But I just hold it by the window. And then as the wind starts going, because I'm going fast, it just flies out of my hand. I'm like, whoa, whoa, it flies out the window. And uh, that was my way of saying, you know, I didn't really litter. Kind of flew out of my hand. <laughs> but, but, but y'all know better. I litter. You know, I just didn't throw it out. I let the air grab it out. And so <laughs> my, my youngest, uh, we were riding, and <laughs> he got done drinking something. And just let the window down and just went whoop. And I said, hey, is that what you do, Dad? I, said, I can't say nothing. You know, I was like, all right, I'm going to stop that. You know, I got to get I got to get a hold of that. Pause is my manner of life, how I'm living. And, um, you know, for those of us, again, that are blessed to have people looking at you as an example, they're following your example. Uh, they're looking to you for an example. And um, I know we don't always get an A, but we need to be mindful that, hey, Timothy has a great example in Paul. What a thing for as a to be able to say, follow my example. Paul said at one point, follow me as I follow Jesus. What a powerful thing to be able to tell. Just, follow, just do what I do. I'm following the Lord so tough, so tight. Just follow my lead. And that's how Paul was living. That's how we want to be living. My manner of life, he says, my purpose. How many of us are living life with purpose? Uh, a lot of times people are saved and they feel like, okay, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. That's a, it is a big deal. I don't want to diminish it in any way. But if God has saved you, then he saved you with purpose. Um, Heaven is your home now. That's your destination. Praise the Lord for that. But God wants to do something with you here and now. There's purpose. And so we want to be seeking the Lord for that. God, what do you want to do with my life? That my life would have purpose. Because you know what? People follow that too. You know, they realize that there's, you know, my life has purpose. What's your purpose? My purpose is to do this, to do that, to do the other, till I go to be with the Lord. That's my purpose. Um, my kids need to see that real strong, that they might follow and have a life with purpose, that they wouldn't just be meandering, doing nothing. And that people that look at us in leadership in the church wouldn't just say, well, once you get saved, that's kind of it. Right. No, no, no. We get busy. We got we got purpose as believers. We got purpose as those that have been bought by the blood of Jesus. Do you have purpose? Do you know what your purpose is? If you don't know what your purpose is, if you would say I'm saved, I love God. You know, maybe God's right now, maybe maybe God's cleaning you up 
But all of that God's doing for a purpose. It's something he wants to do through you. You're a unique vessel. And everybody here is different. We got different personalities. We got different makeups. We got different gifts. We got different abilities. We, we're all different. Some of y'all, look, we look different. We behave different. Some of y'all are emotional. Then God can use that. So I, I found that emotional people are really good at ministering to other emotional people. They feel your pain. They get in there and they cry with you. You cry, oh, I'm crying with you too. They good for There's a place for that. You know, that they, they got to take that type of person. And when they give themselves fully to the Lord, God will use you. You're going gonna to minister to her like, like they couldn't. I'm not emotional. So when people start crying, I'm like, oh, man, they're crying. What's that? It's a tissue. It's, I love you. I love you. I mean, I'm going to be kind, but I've seen it where someone else, they, they just, they just, they cry. I'm like, man, you crying too? Like, man, you, you're better at that thing. You do that thing. You minister, go cry with them. You know, they, everybody get a good cry and they come out looking ministered to. They look like they feel better, you know. Um, God will take us in our differences and he'll use it for his glory as we give it to him. But I do think it's critical that we understand that we are supposed to be walking in purpose, that we wouldn't just we're not just kind of say I'm saved, but that, OK, I'm saved for what? And that's a that's a that's a question that you need to be able to answer. God saved me and set me apart for what to do what and find something, find something of divine purpose to do with your life that matters to God. Um, we're not going to cover the chapter. I'm going to I'm going to stop at verse 12. But uh, so his purpose Paul's faith was an example. His long suffering, um, that was Paul just enduring hardship, suffering over time, which he did. His love, Paul walked in love. He said it was an example. His perseverance, that's steadfast endurance. I wrote down in my notes, Acts 20, 24, where Paul had gone through many things, but he says, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life as dear to myself. But I, I just want to finish the race that God gave me. I want to complete the things that God gave me to do. Um, and so he went through a lot of things, but he didn't quit. And it says persecutions, afflictions would happen to me at Antioch, at Iconium and at Lystra. What persecutions I endured and out of all of them, the Lord delivered me. And I got to say this because Paul says he was delivered out of all of his persecutions. But one of these persecutions that he went through in Iconium and Lystra, he went to those two areas. Paul was actually taken and stoned to death. And I'm looking and thinking, how did God deliver you out of that? You got stoned to death, right? Now, they took you, we're going to stone you, and then you got free. The Lord delivered me out of that. That's what we would say. Paul got stoned to death, and then God raised him up, and he got up. And I've always marveled at this because when he got up, where did he go? He went right back into that city. That, that, so I read stuff like that, and it just makes me want to, like, I just want to go harder for the Lord. Like that, that stirs me up. He got stoned to death. God gave him a second chance, raised him up, resurrected him, brought him back to life. He got up, dusted off whatever he had. He probably was all, you know, beat up in the rocks. And he was like, I'm still going. I'm not done. I'm going back. It'd be like a dude getting jumped really, really, really bad. And everybody leaves. Leave, they think he's dead. And he gets up and he's like, I'm still going to finish walking through the street. Word? He loved God like that. Paul said, I'm not worried about, I'm not trying to protect my life. My life belongs to the Lord. I'm going back. God told me to go preach there. I'm going to go preach this message. And he went back and he did that. And so Paul says, look, Timothy, you've seen this. Timothy had a hero. You know, you, there ain't no action figure better. Timothy had a real life. Look at the apostle Paul. Look at what he went through and how he just kept going for the Lord. So Paul tells Timothy, look, you've seen my example. You've seen my persecutions and how out of all of them, the Lord delivered me. Now, check this out. The Lord's deliverance for Paul wasn't to keep the persecution from happening. It was to keep him while he was going through the persecution. 
We want sometimes so bad for God to take away the painful thing. And God said, I want to take away the painful thing. I'm doing a great work through the painful thing. But it's what I'm going to do through you is as you go through the painful thing, I'm going to go through it with you. Think about the stories that you marvel at in scripture, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. God could have just delivered them where they didn't get thrown into the fire. But God said, no, throw them in the fire then. And they went into the fire and they said, we'll go into the fire, but we not bow to your image. And if God wants to deliver us, he'll deliver us. But if not, we'll burn before we bow to your dumb image. And they went into the fire. And guess who showed up with them? The Lord. Now we celebrate that story. Daniel and the lion's den. Daniel, we catch you praying in public again. The king has signed a decree that you'll be thrown into the lion's den. Windows open three times a day, like I always do, giving it up for the Lord. Into the lion's den. They don't touch me. I mean, he could have closed the door and said, I'm going to just keep this one on the low. But he didn't do that. You know, he just let it be out there. And so God delivered him by delivering him through those things. And so maybe you're going through it as a Christian. Maybe you're enduring some persecution for your belief in Christ or for maybe a stance that you're taking. Endure it. Take it. It's not a bad thing. When Jesus was getting ready to leave his disciples, he told them, God, it's going to be rough. He didn't tell them it's going to be all peachy rosy. He said, look, they hated me. They're going to hate you. That's what it's going to be like. They persecuted me. They're going to persecute you. He said, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. But they're, going to like, they're not going to like you guys. And Paul, as he's getting ready to die, he's on his death. He, says, he knows he's getting ready to die in a few chapters. He says, Timothy, look, they're not going to, they, this is what it's going to be like. There's going to be persecution. But he says, God's faithful, man. He delivered me through them all. This is the last verse I'm going to read to you guys. Verse 12. It's one of those promises in scripture that don't make the precious promise book. It says, and yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. If it's your desire to live for the Lord, if it's your desire to live a godly life, to glorify God, to be faithful to him, Paul tells Timothy, it's a guaranteed fact. You will suffer persecution. So be ready. Don't run from it. Don't, don't try to avoid it. Don't try to live so cautiously that you don't endure some persecution. I don't want to say the wrong thing and they're not going to like me. Prepare in advance. Now, I'm not saying be weird. Everybody knows some weird person that's in the name of God. Weird. You know, I'm not saying spit in people's face when you talking. I'm not saying you got to get all animated. Don't nobody like that. But I'm saying when it comes down to it and someone says, hey, what, do, what does the Bible say on this? Or what, what do you believe about this? And you just tell them. You mean to tell me if, that I'm going to? Yes. You can't live like that and go to heaven. I'm sorry. I didn't make the rules. I'm just communicating the truth. And, and you just endure that. And you'll have people that don't appreciate. I've had people mad at me because I've had people mad at me because I wouldn't marry. Would you do our, our wedding? Let's sit down. We'll do our preliminary meeting. Want to see if you're saved? No, we're not saved. Um, how are we living? Are we living in sin? We fornicate on a regular basis. Um, so the whole point of marriage counseling is to tell you what God's word says about how to live married. If y'all are sinning against God now, there's no hope that I'm going to tell you the rules for marriage that y'all going to obey that. Y'all got to at least start from a position of obedience so I won't do it. And I've had people mad. I'm leaving. I'm sorry. I just, that's just the way it is. You know, um, you take a stance on something. I've, I've had people question me. They already know you're a Christian. Well, is it wrong to live this lifestyle? Yeah, that's yeah, wrong. How could you say that? I, just, I didn't say, the Bible said it. The Bible said it. I just believe the Bible. The Bible said that you can't go to heaven living like that. And it will create persecution. People won't appreciate the truth. But you give the truth because this is what else will happen. Sometimes you give the truth out and someone will say, really? And they'll repent of having not lived according to the truth. 
and they'll come to a place where they're living right with the Lord. You brought them from death to life. That same truth that will make one person hate you will bring somebody else to life. And if you're just a excuse this, but there's some people that I feel like are this way. I would call some people are spiritual punks. And everybody know what a punk is in the world. Someone that for fear of what you might do to me, I'm not going to I'm going to bow out of this thing. We call that person in the street. That's a punk. You punked out. Spiritually speaking, there are times where God has given us a truth. It's a it's valid truth. It's a good truth. It's a life saving truth. And we'll be put in a position where someone is asking you who know the truth to tell them the truth. And you're a spiritual punk. I'm not going to tell them that truth because then they might not like me. So I'm going to just leave that alone. I'm not going to tell them what I know. Don't do that. You want to give people the truth because the truth can set people free. It can be used to open blind eyes, to soften hearts, to bring people into an awareness of how to be right with the Lord. But Paul, Paul lived this out. Paul's handed it off to Timothy. He's passing the baton down to Timothy. To Timothy, it's going to be tough, but it'll be worth it. Don't ever forget that. It'll be tough to walk with the Lord, to honor God, to glorify him with all of your life. But it will be worth it. No one in heaven that lives sold out for God is in heaven saying, you know, I wish I had taken a week off. I wish I had to have more vacation time. I wish I had to just send a little more. I wish I had sold some more oats. Nobody in heaven is saying, I wish I had done more. And there ain't nobody in hell saying, I- I'm glad I did it this way. <laughs> nobody. Nobody's in hell saying, well, it was worth it. <laughs> they just, the Bible's in hell. They're weeping and wailing and gnashing their teeth. Everybody in hell is sorry that they didn't get right with the Lord. Every, every, every soul in hell is sorry that they didn't repent. And so we don't want to be in that number. Amen. I would wrap this message up in this way. Three things. First, as we look at the things that characterize the last days, we recognize those things are happening in the world around us. So what's the application? What do we do with that? Two things. One, make sure that the things that we see that characterize the world in the last time, make sure that's not characterizing you. If it does, you can repent today. You can ask the Lord to forgive you, to cleanse you, to help you. But at the same time, that, that's one angle on it. The other angle is this. As we realize that that's how things are going right now, we want to be aware of the fact that the Lord's coming is soon, that God's coming, the Lord's coming back. Everything that he said would be happening is happening. And so we want to be living with a sense of, of, of God, I know you can come back at any moment. And I'm looking for your return. I'm believing in your return. I'm looking for you to come back. Second, as we looked at those false teachers and those people that come in, and Paul said, look, from such people, turn away. I challenge everybody here to consider are there people in your life that you need to turn away from. And I challenge another group of you to consider if you are, you might be that person. You might be here at church today and you're the one pulling people back down. Um, if that's you, today you can repent of that, that, that you wouldn't ever be used to pull people away from the Lord, that you'd always be in the position of helping people to get to know him better. But if there are people that you could identify in your life and say, you know, these people are really bad for my walk with God. Every time I get going, I hang out with them one time and it's a wrap that you would put that down. You would recognize that in love. You walk away. Um, there'll be people that you will walk away from for a season and God will build you up later on. You might be able to go back and minister to them. But maybe it's too early right now. Maybe right now you need distance. Third and final, as Paul reminded Timothy, hey, look at my manner of life. Look at my example. I left you. He left a great example. Uh, those, I think it was about nine characteristics. Those are great characteristics Paul left. My example, my manner of life, my, my doctrine, the teaching, my conduct, my faith, my love, my all these different things. 
I would challenge us that are believers to, that we would look at our lives and rather they're an example that can be followed. Rather, we're leaving a solid example for those that are looking to us. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Buffington on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill comes to us from Calvary Chapel, Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Are you in the area and looking for a church to call home? We'd love to welcome you into our community. Head on over to CalvaryInglewood.org to learn more about the church and the people in it. And then come see us this Sunday. For those of you who can't make it, don't worry. Technology is an amazing thing and we're using it to leverage the kingdom. You can follow our live stream on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. And you can always go back and watch it later on YouTube. There's a link on our website, which was CalvaryInglewood.org. In this series, Pastor Bill is going through the book of 2 Timothy, a letter of the Apostle Paul. Timothy was neck deep in ministry troubles, and Paul wrote to encourage him and give him instructions, like these ones found in 2 Timothy 2.1. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is a series you won't want to miss. And if you'd like to jump in and become part of this ministry, you'll find opportunity to give online or on our mobile app. Give to a transforming word and join us in spreading the transforming good news of Jesus Christ. You'll never know how far your gift will go. Well, that's all we have time for today. We'll be back next time for another great word from Pastor Bill right here on A Transforming Word.